this is it, guys. This is the big one. Uh, we've been talking about doing this episode for, like, publicly, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. And privately, we've been talking about this for a super long time. Practically Almost since the me. beginning, maybe? Like, how long has this been in the docs forever? Because we, we've we've had a, a document about, like, various episode topics that I might want to pursue. And I do remember when we first finished the document, and we were like, what sorts of things do we want to cover? Like, Medicare for All was one of the big ones. So, in fact, I think that this hits the core premise of this show as much as any episode we've done since the beginning of the show. Perhaps so. And and you might be tuning in and thinking, I'm in favor of Medicare for all, or I'm reasonably knowledgeable about it. Even if you already feel that way, we really took our time to make sure that this is going to be an episode that you really feel like you get some knowledge from, especially in terms of shutting down people who are making bad arguments, which is kind of critical right now, I think. Yeah, the bad arguments are coming from inside the house. Generally, when people think of like being swayed by corporate influence, they think of it as like a fucking old fat white man in a fucking Uncle Pennybags suit. And they go, well, I know uh, Uncle Pennybags is not like telling me the truth. And you distrust that guy. But people don't understand that the money works in that it uses the data and it finds something that appeals to you. And it uses that appeal to make the argument. This is like fucking focus grouped arguments against this shit. This is like Joe Biden finding like, you know, a nice older woman union worker to get in his anti-Medicare for all video. Correct. Stuff. There's going to be somebody's going to make some kind of argument that appeals to you on an emotional level because that's what the money is in. That's why they're spending so much money. So you have really got to have your shit together in terms of really knowing this shit front and back, because otherwise uh, the the predators will fucking get you. Well, I mean, especially because yeah. we kind of started out with this boundless optimism about Medicare for all about around the like the beginning of the presidential campaign season. And when I say us, I kind of feel like I mean the whole country, at least the parts that vote Democrat. Like, like we we all kind of looked around and we thought. If we get Trump out of office, we're getting Medicare for all. Look at all these candidates. And and most of them initially on their announcements strongly supported Medicare for all. Harris, Warren, uh, Buttigieg. You know, he Buttigieg. Was yeah, all these people. Golly whiz. I do declare uh, I support Medicare for all as a solution. Like just as a just as an aside, that tweet, the golly gee whiz, I, I do indubitably <laughs> declare. Like that's such a fucking like I, I, I do want to go into this in a different episode, but like that's just the fucking smugness and just shittiness that makes me, me just viscerally hate Pete Buttigieg. Like I want to strangle him <laughs> in Minecraft. The this the twee demeanor is kind of off-putting. But yo, we had a whole squad. So there was and also whenever you turned on the news, it was Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and everybody that was running for president was co-sponsoring Bernie's bill, right? Right. Like, if you were yeah. serious about running for president and you were in the Senate, you were all on board with this Medicare for all because everybody knew that's where the people were. It's like I know I'm exaggerating slightly, but it really feels like at the first debate that almost everybody was like, yeah, I'm co-sponsoring Bernie's bill. And now, you know, at debate five, everybody's like, well, healthcare is very, very complicated. Because they got worked on. Like, look, and when this shit began, we had Bernie, 
Warren, Kamala, Booker, uh, Pete. Uh, I, I don't think I'm lead de Blasio. Uh, so we had like a squad of people that supported this position. And then one by mm -hmm. one, they just kind of got snatched up. Like they got invasion of the body snatchers. So uh, yeah. de Blasio, he was out just because he was just not popular. And then like the wonks got the Pete and then they got the Booker and obvious. And Harris was doing this shit where like they were asking questions and her hand would be up. And then they would ask her the next day. Real invasion of the body snatchers literally energy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally the next Outside day she's on the news like, saying, I didn't understand the question. I thought I was saying I was against Medicare for all. While I was clearly fucking saying stuff like the poor people in the country need Medicare for all and all this emotional appeal shit. Like, you didn't, you didn't accidentally support Medicare for all. Well, I didn't know it meant that. Like, what what it, what it feels like is like we're in the middle of a zombie movie, and it keeps cutting to the the zombie shelter that the main characters have. And over no. the course of the film, you, you you see the zombie shelter go from like full and brimming with life, and all these people milling around to like we're at the we're at the near the end of the film, and there's just there's just Bernie like whittling a knife in the corner. Ka Kamala, they got you. Kamala, are you all right? I have a new Medicare bill. No! No! It's too late. It's too late. We have to go back. We can't save her. It's better than Bernie's. No, no. Leave her. Leave her behind. Warren right now has a long sweater on over her bite. You know? She's yeah. like, she's like, I haven't been infected. I swear <laughs> that I swear that Medicare. For all will still be a priority of my presidency within three years, maybe of the first term, as long as everything is going good. And you know, uh, uh, <laughs> and then yeah, it's like Terminator 2, your progressive candidate yeah. is dead, <laughs> like it's over. And yeah. so they got to everybody, they got to everybody one by one. It was really chilling. Uh, Bernie's still standing. Bernie's our last girl. He's the last girl of American healthcare. That's correct. He's, he, he's like the portrait of Dorian Gray, but except if it's like Medicare for all. And every time one of the other candidates gets a shittier position, his skin gets smoother. Yo, it's real. It's real. And that's not uh, that pressure that's being brought to bear on these people is not accidental. It's design somebody made it up so i want to make sure that y'all do not get body snatched along the way because between now and the election y'all are going to hear a lot of these arguments so we want you know the sad thing is these candidates they're getting paid off to get body snatched if we get body snatched we're just getting body snatched by propaganda for nothing you Yo. know so we really we gotta be better than that and 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 by we i don't just mean us and the people listening to this podcast, but everybody. And so you who are listening to this podcast, you really, really got to make sure your friends and family are not getting wishy-washy on this issue because it is way too important. And they don't do it by saying, hey, you want to get sick and have to pay for it? Uh, one of these organizations is called uh, United States of Care, and they insist that they are cool guys and they are on the right team. Yes. Um, and they use very broad principles and they use weasel words to fucking mind fuck you into supporting something else that is not the actual principles 
that are being in play here. Um, let me like read some shit that's from their principles. Uh, all Americans should have access to a regular source of care for themselves and their families. Um, why is it say, what is a regular source of care? Um, no one should face financial devastation due to illness or injury. Mm-hmm. So like you won't be devastated and who's in charge of throwing the fucking flag when life beats you up, throwing the towel in and go, okay, they're devastated. Um, right. What's wrong with the word free at the point of service? But an average person might be like, well, not financially devastated. That sounds fine. Um, not realizing what they're signing up for in some cases is being indentured to these debts for the rest of their life. Right. And it says, uh, we want goals that are uh, fiscally responsible and have the political support to last. So again, this is language that sounds good on the surface, but like who's in charge of deciding what's fiscally responsible. It's usually like Republicans. Right. And, and let's be clear, 60 to 70% of all Americans, depending on which poll you choose to look at, want Medicare for all. That includes like 10 to 20% of Republicans. Yeah. And like, even if you prompt them about the specifics of the plan and like abolishing private health care, it's still like, it still polls well. Because a lot of these people, it doesn't matter if they have something that keeps them in the kind of conservative camp you know a lot of people have some moral value that sort of keeps them rooted over there and for a lot of people it's like abortion of course that's a huge one um even if they're even if they they feel that way and they're not interested in changing sides they still want fucking health care that's correct so when that argument is made like from the right wing it's people in a debate hall chanting let them die if y'all remember that from like 2012, mm-hmm. when they were like, well, what do you do if somebody doesn't have health insurance? Well, fuck them. Well, that argument doesn't work over here. So they just make a different argument. And it's like, we seek a consensus from all sides and we can all make an agreement here. All get on a table and we can work this out and we can compromise and it won't be like unstable. Um, we can stand on practical. a table, Beto style. Yeah. And we'll all work this out. So that's appealing to that instinct in people. Um, Because few people understand that this particular policy uh, is something that needs a radical solution by American standard. Yes. Incremental solutions towards Medicare for all basically won't work. We already had like an incremental solution. It's called Obamacare. Y'all remember Obama? And uh, it sucked, and you had to like fill out like a thousand forms. And And you used to get taxed or fined rather on your taxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You didn't do everything right. And if you made like, if you were not destitute and had a job but were not rich, you just got bangaranged basically um, by like really rapidly escalating fees. Yeah. And, and for most people, insurance didn't really get any cheaper. 
like the one thing that changed for the better was coverage availability. People who could not be covered before Obamacare were able to be covered for the first time in some cases. Yeah. And so that's why you heard some happy success stories, you know, on your Facebook timeline and shit. Obamacare saved my life. Well, it, it probably did, okay? We're not denying yeah. that. We're Nobody here is saying, unless Leia is, that Obamacare uh, was worse than nothing. It, I, I think it's obviously... I, 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 w- I won't go that far. Like, Obamacare was pretty shit, but I, I'm sure it helped more people than nobody. Like, the, the, penalty, the penalty for not having care was pretty shitty. That almost pushed it over the edge into being completely. And there's some there's some cases where like people couldn't afford the least expensive plan. the The fee for not having a plan was less than the least expensive plan, so they just fucking ate the cost and didn't have health care, and that kind of sucked. But it was better than nothing. Well, but also even Obamacare, because it wasn't implemented in this strong radical way. That we need healthcare change to come in. Uh, Republicans undermined it in a lot of states right away, and so then people got slapped with, "You either need this big ass healthcare bill, which isn't subsidized by anything because we refuse the federal government's money because we're crazy Republicans, or you get taxed at the end of the year." So then, of course, those people were like, "Fuck Obama! Fuck Obamacare! That shit ruined my life. Yeah. Like it did ruin their life, you know." But it was it, it wasn't because. It was necessarily a bad idea. It was because it wasn't implement, implemented strongly. And so it was completely undermined by people who were able to turn it into something ugly. And then this happens a lot with policies that, you know, they sound good and they are good on, you know, in some version originally. But then they managed to roll out this version that can be twisted like this. Where now, again, there's all these people who have had these bad experiences with Obamacare, and that relates to this conversation. As soon as they start breaking out the calculators, as soon as it goes into that dark, smoke-filled room, whatever comes out is bullshit. Um, And it's not really going to genuinely help people, and it's just, like, fucking not bueno at all. Mm -hmm. And for this organization that was, like, before the primaries and was getting some attention uh united states of care we don't know who their donors are we don't know who's paying for it they're just like it's a broad coalition um whenever you see somebody on the news and they have like a very benign sounding organizational name like look them up because they try to get names that make it sound like it's like a grassroots organization like it's like regular moms and dads that came together and wanted to talk about healthcare and shit but like Mm -hmm. it's usually like a bunch of gazillionaires that are trying to fuck you, yeah. um, especially if they're actually made it to TV. Because if they were really trying to help you, there'd be a fucking news blackout and they'd be uh, treated like they were crazy people uh, on the news. So and here's like here's a little personal politics thing that anyone um, listening mm-hmm. to this podcast can do right now or maybe not right now, right now, but anytime that you're faced with one of these questions about these organizations, you can look up their FEC filings. And if you look into where the money is coming from and going to, it will tell you a lot about the organization. And this is the kind of step 
that a lot of people don't really take, but that information is out there. It's not that hard to digest. It's actually presented in like tables and graphs and shit. If you look it up online, like you mm. can find out where the money is coming from and where the money is going with these organizations. And you can see that, okay, this organization has called Moms Concerned About Healthcare is actually like one rich white male billionaire is running the whole thing. Yeah. I feel like that's all of the pre-primary stuff. Like that's kind of what the stage was like before the primary started. There were some bankrolled organizations. And I think we can now kind of go into the arguments that were used to sway the candidates um, on this issue that like, seems to be an obvious slam dunk issue and was an obvious slam dunk issue until the news coverage started coming and the money started flying and the polls started being read and the focus group started happening and then it just the energy changed um i think with pete it definitely changed um i guess there was i guess the number one thing that you've you've heard about this would be taxes like will my taxes go up it's probably argument number one like Warren, I mean, I guess we're skipping ahead a little bit, but she, uh, I think the thing that really broke her brain in terms of funding her plan was this can't raise middle-class taxes um, because Pete made a big deal about like, you haven't talked about funding and you're supposed to be the wonk candidate. Uh, so she kind of dodged and weaved and she looked dumb for a little bit. She looked kind of silly. So she went and she made an, a, a detailed Medicare platform. And to be clear, we don't give Warren like tons of layups on this podcast. She's not our favorite candidate. She deserved a few props for this one. We did an episode on Warren like two weeks ago, right? And yeah. Circa was like, uh, oh, she's, she sucks. She's prevaricating. She's scum. And I was like, look, it's good that two of the three leading contenders are in support of a Medicare for all system, even if like the, the funding method is not the particular right funding method. Do we need to nitpick about that? Like, is that important? No. And I wouldn't even say that it was the wrong thing. I think that Warren stepped up and did something. And of course she's immediately backed down from this. We'll get into that in a second, but <laughs> she stepped up for a moment and did something that kind of needed to be done because Here's this is this is something that really gets into the meat of things you'll always hear about why we can't have Medicare for all or why we shouldn't have Medicare for all. Um, so Bernie's Medicare for all bill, it's often sort of uh, maligned for the fact that there's some financial aspects that aren't completely laid out. The reason for this is because. Bernie is writing this bill from the perspective of a congressperson. He's not writing it from the perspective of a president because he's not president yet. And his plan is to keep fighting for this bill no matter what. And he knows that realistically, if this bill gets passed, that some decisions are going to need to be made by whoever's in charge. And that's why there's some ambiguities. That's it. That's the only reason. It's not because he doesn't know what to do or there's not a clear answer. And so Warren did kind of step up 
and show people that these ambiguities that everyone's worried about in the Medicare for All bill can be answered. Even if her answers weren't necessarily the best ones, she did prove that this this is not a unsolvable problem. Right. And I mean, like when we talked about this this issue, really the number one thing is who is scared of the Republican attack ads? Because it's going to be my taxes are going to be up. Um, how is that just going to be the Republican ad is your taxes, your taxes, your taxes. And who's in like the 1985 mindset of discussion on taxes and who's like in 2020. Right. Um, and I think Warren has gone a very long way to avoid that commercial. Um, I think that like if we had her in a room by herself, I think she would like be like, yeah, single payer. Great. But like, I think she just wants to avoid that commercial. And if you structure your political worldview around avoiding that commercial, you have to kind of to contort yourself in ways that are like really ridiculous. And I think we saw that this week. And you don't have enough like hard stance or passion in like how you present yourself at a certain point or there's something missing. Uh, I don't know if I'm conveying it perfectly, but basically like the best way I could explain it is, okay, Hillary Clinton, right? I know this is a little off topic, but um, tell me like something that she really stood for platform wise. You know, like I think if most people, even a lot of Hillary stands, if you put them to the test and said, what was her platform that was so compelling? They would actually like, they wouldn't have a lot of strong, definitive answers. Whereas I think a lot of people that support Bernie Sanders do support him. And I would say, honestly, Elizabeth Warren, too, even if I don't like her as much personally, I will say that a lot of people that support her do have relatively strong reasons for doing so. They didn't just, you know, she said some things that kind of appealed to me. It's, it's real shit that made the decision. And yeah, yeah, when you don't, when you waffle, you don't have that. So if Warren continues down this path of waffling, eventually she won't have that. Right now she does have people that are convicted, but I've actually seen people that I know for a fact were very convinced, you know, wanted Warren be nervous since she started waffling over Medicare for all. I've, I've, heard, I've seen the opposite. I've heard people that like wanted Warren and now once she started waffling on it, they started waffling on it, which is kind of messed up. But like everybody doesn't vote for policy. Like some people vote for leadership. So if, if Warren's the lead, which is why I was talking about how it was important that she advocated for this issue, because when a leader gets involved in something and they advocate for it, it helps change people's perception of what's possible. So when Warren comes back and it's like, uh, you know, it's kind of possible maybe in like 10 years, we'll, we'll do this again in three years and we'll have another battle. Uh, that a, a lot of people just slid backslid along with her. And that's yeah. not good either. Um, I, uh... I mean, when we talk about it, it's not just the taxes. It's just the dollar figure is shocking to people. Uh, I think the the 32 trillion gets thrown around as if like that's just all government spending and it's 32 trillion dollars. Um, it's just like a brand new bill is kind of the way it's presented a lot. Like this is just this is just a brand new thing we have to pay for. Yeah, yeah, which is disingenuous. Right. right. And it's something that's going to lower over time. And you've also got to put that Medicare program against what we already spend, which is way more. It's practically double 
um, just spent on fees and on premiums and on copays and on deductibles. And, you know, it's it's a massive amount. We spend more on healthcare right now than any other country in the world. And anybody who's like an adult and has paid bills understands the idea of like buying in bulk of, you know, you go to Sam's mm-hmm. Club and if you buy like a a, a, a pack of frozen pizzas, it's going to cost you like $45, but you get like seven pizzas, right? Right. Um, but somebody will literally like take that in, in, in exact argument. Somebody will take that exact argument and they'll say, well, $45, that's so much. How can we afford that? And it's like, listen, it's something that you're going to buy anyway. It's a literal necessity for life. Um, And by pooling uh, the money that goes into it, you are spending less. That's like basic economics, which is why like states like a California can't really do it by themselves or Vermont can't really do it by themselves because it's not enough of a a financial base to insure everyone. Whereas if it's national, uh, it actually becomes kind of easier to do. Yeah, because that's a big thing that gets thrown around a lot, um, especially by some of the people who are sort of furthest from Medicare for all, but don't want to come out and say they're against it, is is definitely this argument of we should, you know, kind of leave it to the states and let let states make it happen and maybe provide some tools to the states which sounds really good, right? Tools to the states. Hell yeah. That sounds brilliant, right? It does. You know? Like yeah. that's that how can you argue against that? Let's give the states more tools to make decisions and take care of people like I'm when from- people put things these certain ways, it makes it appealing and it makes it sound like it's somehow better. And I think as as Americans, we tend a lot to have a knee-jerk reaction to anything that sounds sort of even remotely authoritarian if there seems to be a, a, a option that's more individualistic. And so if you present it as, well, the federal government's going to come in and do Medicare for all, and it's going to be a big federal government thing, then that initially just creates a knee-jerk reaction in a lot of people. And so then you, you swoop back in, oh, what if the states did it? But it's not realistic. And unfortunately, like, in America, we, people can, like, vote for two directly conflicting things based on how it's phrased um uh-huh. uh, so somebody will be like do, should the government guarantee uh health care for all citizens and they'll be like yes uh should there be individual choice uh in how people get health care also yes like there's no ideological fucking coherence at all it's just no. all kind of want a thing that sounds good you're not, and, and people are not really radicalized behind it until they experience it for themselves. Like, I think people in Britain or people in Canada are radicalized about their healthcare because they understand what they have because they experience it. And even those right wing politicians that hate the shit out of like their healthcare system, they can't say so. They have to go, like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I really love the NHS and I really want to make it better. And by doing Brexit, uh, there will be millions of dollars that can go right to it. So will you please vote for it? And that does dupe people. And unfortunately, like, we'll be dupable forever. But having the actual policy will radicalize people. And they'll be like, why the fuck did we not have this earlier? And I think there's a lot of people that are afraid of that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because there's no real going back. I mean, uh, in the countries that you're talking about, and in most countries where you have a single payer healthcare system, you see instances of the conservatives trying to push back against it and, you know, try to repeal it from time to time. And always the public really comes out of and says no, because they've experienced it and there is no going. Yeah, back. like right wing, right wing and centrist dipshits know this is that when you introduce a welfare program like this, people like it and they know, see and realize the effects of it. And it's really hard to take that away from them. So they have poisoned the well of talking about it so that it's this, oh, you know, it's Medicare for all who want it. I'm going to go for Medicare for all in my third year after the midterms. And it's because they know as soon as this passes, it's never going away. They'll have to chip at it through decades. And let's be clear, like it's a very good sign that politicians, at least in the Democratic Party, are wiggling around on this issue and trying to like make the right noises because the person that won the nomination last year was like this will never happen and she won so there's yeah. at least a vibe that you can't do that again this time no you're you have in the specs. and you're at three percent and it's like I'll, I'll i'll try it no it won't work for you Ugh. yeah <laughs> and i mean we've all been one of the things that that people have got to break through is just we've been trained all in that language of individualism and are we going to use the market and will the republicans be okay with it uh will they approve of it can we get in a room and work it out with them when really it needs to be can we get enough seats to fucking win this shit and ram it through can we implement it fast enough for people to experience the benefits um and is it like a real plan that cannot be sabotaged uh, two years from now if Republicans get one of these houses of Congress? Uh, mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about Medicare for all who want it, too, is that it could be sabotaged in other ways as well. Um, we know that a lot of welfare gets sabotaged through a sort of cultural stigma. Um, and so if Medicare for all who want it you know, gets the same cultural bias that, say, food stamps has around it, then it's not going to be a very effective program. Right. And if if the people who are healthy are on one plan and the people who are sick or really desperate are on the government plan, then that's going to be a plan that is politically attacked. And if we're not all in it together, then people are going to be like, well, that's something that those people have. And it's not something that my people have. And when you have that, like, it's hard to really build like no kind of coalition around it or anything like that. And all the things that people talk about being the downsides of a single payer system, like long lines and stuff, that's what we're going to have under Medicare for all who want it. Everybody who's under that Medicare for all who want it is going to be in long lines while everybody who's got money and got insurance is going to be going to the doctor and it's going to be fast. It's going to be easy yeah. because yeah. yeah. And if you care enough, if you care enough about healthcare to be listening to this podcast, you have a tremendous opportunity. Like, let's say there's like 150 to 200 people listening, right? Um, that is a tremendous opportunity because people hate the current system. Like, uh, most people consider this one of the two or three most important problems in the country. People are worried about like, not just like healthcare, but like 
prescriptions. Like if you've had to get a prescription, that shit is a nightmare, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of you've got to like deal with the doctor and you've got to like run an entire con game on them to get anything for pain now because the opiates have fucking wrecked the shit completely. It's just, it's just incredible. And even now, I mean, you've got Obamacare and people still are not going to their dentist. People are still not going to their doctor because they cannot afford the shit, even with the subsidy. Right. A very important part of Medicare for all is that it covers not just sort of basic health care, but everything. Mm-hmm. It covers and the that's benefit. the whole thing. And that's why it would be good. The, the idea that you're going to provide this shitty half-baked version of it, and then it's going to be so good that people are just going to demand that it be universalized is a fiction. Because in constructing it to not be universal, you're making it shitty. You're like, like I said, you're poisoning the well to make it be like, oh, this is what Medicare for all is going to be. This is crap. It's not funded enough, and it's it's not good. We should we should just go back to private health care. Like in it's this isn't something that you can do incrementally because the the benefits aren't realized incrementally. Right. The many paths to healthcare kind of talk. It's all a fiction. This is not this is not an intangible concept. This is not a philosophical idea of single payer, this mysterious thing that we sort of aim for through better and better policies. No, this is a very clear thing. It's not complicated. And it's important to remember that like most people are ready to move on past Obamacare. I mean, like, obviously, a lot of independents don't have any special allegiance to it um, and are ready to move on to something else. Obviously, like, most Republicans are, like, ready to move on uh, and not just replace it with nothing, but replace it with something different. Um, That's why repeal and replace was the Republican line back then, because even Republicans did not just want to throw it out because they Republicans fucking get sick, too. Yeah, well, they they polled their voter bases and they said, we just want to repeal it. And their voter bases said, "Uh," and then they said, well, what about repeal and replace? And that was overwhelmingly popular because, yeah, again, they they wanted a health care plan still. Yeah, you got to have something. You can't just fucking leave it up to the market because everyone knows that just laissez faire health care policy doesn't work. It's failing. It's also important to remember that like Medicare is hugely popular. It's probably the most, I I would assume it's the most popular government program in America. It's probably more popular than the military. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I I would say 80% of people want a Medicare increase. So I would consider that hugely popular. Yeah, these are, these are hugely popular issues. Everybody wants better health care in America. It's only the politicians that are kind of playing this game that it's still this very tenuous thing that nobody's sure about. So when mm-hmm. someone says, like, fix the healthcare system and someone says, well, I've got a bronze plan for you. Uh, the bronze plan is fucking not not doing it at all. At all. No. So how do we, like, make sure that this policy wins? I think is where we have to go from here. Step one is going to be like being upfront about what it is and like what it costs. Uh, I think that like, if you like your plan, you can keep it backfired. 
Um, obviously, Obama was not thinking about the fucking junk plans that most people have. The junk plans where people are literally just paying for emotional security. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people who have insurance and they're happy to at least have it, but their co-pays are five hundred thousand dollars for like basic shit which so it's means effectively it's effectively like they don't even have insurance because they got to pay out of pocket up the ass yeah unless their fucking leg blows off their insurance is worthless yeah and like uh, uh, the, probably the number one argument you're going to hear is about just cost and if you're having an argument with somebody at their at your job and they're like it's going to be 32 trillion dollars my tax dollars my my, my budget that's not like a good argument mm-hmm. for you to be having or to be locked into. No. And let's also, yeah, let's really dive into um, just like this whole concept of taking something away from people. Because I think that that gets brought up a lot as well. Is like, oh, we're going to take away insurance from people, you know, people, some of whom are in unions and have fought hard for good insurance. The unions. The union. Nobody works in a union anymore in America because the union has been fucking destroyed for the most part. Without even getting into any of that, like, most people would rather, deep down, especially if you really put it to them this way, have insurance no matter what job they have, right? Like, have healthcare no matter what job they have. And, like, unfortunately, um, if your healthcare is tied to your job at a union, you are kind of screwed. I mean, look at what happened with the GM workers. As right. soon as they went on strike, they lost their health care within three days. That's not stable. That's not no. dependable. No. No, the whole thing is a farce. Um, and so... And yeah. unfortunately, yeah, like that, that free choice thing, that free choice thing shook some people that don't want to go from town to town and discuss this you know, as an emotional thing. They don't want to discuss the idea of someone losing something. Well, I well, I love my insurance so much. And Bernie makes fun of that. Like, I don't believe anybody's gonna say, Oh, I love my insurance so much. But that argument has psyched people out. I mean, look mm-hmm. at Marion Williamson. It's definitely tricked some people, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's like, I, it's like a, it's a trap that people are falling into. Yeah. Imagine being willing to talk about fucking reparations which really does get people legitimately existentially mad but like talking about healthcare makes you nervous so how do you make that argument to somebody who's like well i have health insurance first of all try to cash that policy in and see how much (laughs) you like it Um, but let's talk about choice here and and what choice means in medicine especially like a meaningful choice in your healthcare. okay if you're choosing between insurance plans realistically has have any of you ever looked at insurance plans and this is also to you the audience think about this have you ever really looked at insurance plans and basically not just pick the cheapest option in most cases or it, it or at least the best most comprehensive care for the best price if not the very cheapest mm-hmm. like of you're you're it's not like you're sitting here looking at your insurance plans and you're like, well, this one has these advantages and this one has these advantages. And you're like really comparing something significant, like the way that you might compare uh, a car that gets better fuel economy versus one with more space or something like that. Like, no, there's no meaningful choice here. People choose the insurance plan, like I say, that's either the cheapest or that's the best coverage for the money 
that they can spend or want to spend, basically. And that's it. Um, and so what choices do you actually want to make? You want to make the choice about which hospital you go to, which doctor you see, which medications you take. Um, under Medicare for All, everything would be in your network. You would no longer have these questions of, well, can I go to this doctor or do they take my insurance? Every doctor would be under the single payer system. And yes, that means that some really good doctors would be in very high demand and you might have to wait longer to see certain kinds of like really, really highly accredited specialists in some cases. But overall, you would be able to see anyone. So whoever it is that you want to see, there would be none of these questions. So choice, it's, it's almost insulting that they present it as Medicare for all would limit your choices. Because Medicare for all would give you more healthcare choice than you've ever had in your life, regardless of how good your fucking insurance is. Especially if you're in a union, like a double if you're in a union, because suddenly that those health benefits that you've been like at the table and fucking scratching and clawing for are now you just have them. Um, They're no longer leverage the company can use against you. Exactly. So now it's like, okay, well, now that that's off the table, let's talk about increasing my, my fucking take-home pay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and the thing is, is that... Um... And this is not, if you'll excuse me, this is not solely a workers versus bosses thing. If you are a business, uh, it is cheaper for you to have this system in place because now no, that is no longer on your head. Yes. Terms of what That's what I was going to say, actually, yeah. is, is even from the perspective of businesses and especially small businesses, and we know how much, you know, the GOP and this country in general love to wank off about small businesses, but Republicans hate small businesses. And if they if, if you really want small businesses to succeed, pass Medicare for all, because then a small business has doesn't have to worry like Brandon was saying at all about how to provide health care for their employees at any point that expense that paperwork none of it it's done it's all been taken care of already and they never have to think about it again uh, I am in the state of Georgia and you would never expect Bernie Sanders to be polling ahead of Donald Trump in Georgia but like this for all of the flaws of of this state and there are many this is like a business oriented state. Um, so I think that a, a lot of people, like we, I, I talk to people who are in our revolution and they say, we get some of the best responses, uh, to Sanders in business communities that you would not dream of supporting a democratic candidate because they're like, yeah, I want that policy because the Medicare comes off the books. Uh, I mean, not the Medicare, but you know, the healthcare comes off the books. And right. that's very useful, like for people who are in Midtown or in Buckhead or in the suburbs. That's something that they're like really excited about having. So basically, I really don't, I don't know. Obviously, I'm biased. We're biased. But I really can't see a reasonable argument that undermines this that isn't just pandering to the capitalist class and these huge industries that make so much money that's it like these these people the pharmaceutical industry the insurance industry and the healthcare industry all are wildly profitable right now and it's at the expense of people's lives and that's something that's like it's got to be switched it's got to be changed up um i want to quickly share um this is from dsa usa 
but I mean, it applies anywhere, regardless of your ideology, really. Um, these are the five principles that make Medicare for all Medicare for all. Would you guys mind me quickly reading them? It's a paragraph. Uh, a Medicare for all program is single payer. That means everyone is covered by a single health insurance program. It is administered by the federal government uh, and it has equal access to all medical services and treatments. That's dental, uh, that's vision, that's mental health, that's like the whole kit and caboodle. Um, it is co comprehensive. That means all services requiring a medical professional are covered. You go to the doctor of your choice, dental, vision, mental health, and pharmaceuticals are all included. Uh, number three is free at the point of service. That means all healthcare costs are financed through tax contributions. No co-pays, no fees, mm -hmm, no deductibles, mm -hmm. no premiums. Uh, the fourth one is universal coverage. That is all United States residents, including non-citizens. And five mm -hmm. is a jobs program uh, and severance for those who are affected by the transition to government-run healthcare. We didn't really touch on that argument of, oh, what's going to happen to these like 200 thousand people who are uh you know going to be displaced by this changeover and there's way more than 200,000 people right now who are facing medical bankruptcy or have faced medical bankruptcy or can't go to a doctor um for financial reasons yes so like yeah one is important but the other is too yeah absolutely mm -hmm. and and like you said, the fifth step of or the fifth component of a true Medicare for all as defined by this definition, which is very good, I would agree with it, um, it includes a provision to make sure that these people aren't just left in the cold that, you know, especially there are a lot of people that, you know, work in call centers and stuff for insurance companies. These are not amazing jobs in a lot of cases, but they are in some cases steady and pay okay. And you don't just want to tell that person, yeah, you're getting screwed by this transition, even if, yes, a lot more people are going to be helped. And so, yeah, that actually has been thought about. There are going to be things done for those people so that they aren't just told, hey, sorry, no, like we're going to take care of them and make sure that they have an easy transition into whatever they do next. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one, and then you throw them out of fucking airlock. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's like, just the CEOs of the pharmaceutical company. Correct. Yeah. Also, like, we're doing that in Minecraft. Uh, well, they're in doing Minecraft. Minecraft. We're not doing it. It's fine. Oh yeah. But actually, I was mentioning Minecraft as a Patreon plug. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Like, hey, hey, people, people listening to this, people listening to this, uh, I really want us to have our own Minecraft server, but we can't because. Fucking nobody is on our Patreon. Two people. And if you're those two people, we love you. We love you so Section, fucking much. Three now. Thank you very much. Oh, to the wonderful, to the wonderful, to the wonderful three people. Pog champ. Right, boy. But anyways, we need, we need more people to be on the Patreon. Yeah, because if we have enough, it's a certain threshold, which I haven't decided yet. Then we'll have our own Minecraft server. And you can jump in and, and play Minecraft with us. And we can do various things like punch fascists in Minecraft. That's right. Um, that is patreon.com slash not safe. Um, by all means, like throw us like $5. And like really, if like you forget to update for the month or something like that, 
and it reruns and you really just want to get us just email us and we'll just send you five dollars back it's not a big deal yeah um, it's, it's fine yeah get it just 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 get on the patreon quit playing games you're like we've covered everything is there anything yeah i think ending with the definition uh was kind of where we wanted to really put it because basically yeah if, yeah. if anybody tries to sell you a healthcare plan that does not meet those that. five criteria and we will also have a link to them in the show notes by the way Correct. um if, if anybody tries to sell you a healthcare plan that does not meet those five criteria they are not proposing a true medicare for all or single payer type solution and you need to tell them to screw off because we need medicare for all we tell need them, single payer tell them they got body snatched yep. <laughs> tell them one. they got the washington brain worms yeah they got to them no yeah so um i feel like that's it uh, i am at brandon buchanan i'm kennedy t cooper on twitter i'm leah underscore rose underscore on twitter and um yeah we're uh just online you can find us anywhere it's it's we're on spotify itunes Castbox, just everywhere thank you so much for listening we appreciate you guys so much as always take this episode and use it as your weapon against the wonks who don't want you absolutely. to have health care absolutely yeah all right so that's it we'll try to do better next time bye bye